to say good morning to all of you this morning on Christmas Day. And I, I want to be the first, maybe, uh, to say Merry Christmas to you. And about an hour or so, my kids are going to be scurrying down here in their pajamas, and we're going to have a blessed day. I hope you're with friends, and I hope you're with family today on Christmas, and I hope that God blesses you. I don't know what you have planned, but I know uh, in our household, we're going to have a great uh, day together today. I really hope that you get or got what you asked for uh, this Christmas. But what I know about Christmas is this, that we rarely get exactly what we want. And even if we do get what we want, it really never stacks up to our expectation or our intended response. And, and the picture on the box never really looks like what we get or what's on the inside. And, and in today's culture, especially the TV culture, uh, they'd have you believe the only gift worth getting is a huge one or an expensive one like a diamond or a chocolate diamond. I don't even know what that is, but or a Lexus with a bow on it. I've never met anybody who got a Lexus uh, with a bow on it. I keep waiting for that music, you know, on Christmas morning. But the expectations of the holidays just seems to be the highest of the entire year. In fact, they become unrealistic. I think a lot of that has to do with the modern conveniences that we have in our culture. We have so many great things and we expect so much now from everyone and from the culture. Everything is amazing today, but nobody's happy. And psychologists are even saying that our brains really are changing so that we're less patient today than even we were five years ago. When I was a kid, we had this thing called a rotary phone. Kids, you don't know. We would turn a dial and it would go all the way back. And we were turning a wheel, making sparks or electricity. and and, and, you know, you hated somebody with zeros in their number. Like, we're not calling uh, that guy or going to the movies. I mean, we, we, if we were going to the movies, we had to get this out. It's called a newspaper. Kids, I, I don't even know if you've ever seen a newspaper, but we would get the paper out and we would look at it to find out what time a movie was playing. And if it wasn't in the paper, we would have to pick up the phone and dial uh, with the rotary dial, you know, simultaneously with everybody in the town calling to see what movie is playing. is busy. And, and when you finally did get through, you would get the middle of a recording that you would have to listen to the whole recording all the way around to get the movie times. And uh, we expect so much for so little today. You go to a restaurant today and you think they don't have Wi-Fi. What do you mean you don't have Wi-Fi? Is it like 1985 or, or, or you know they have free Wi-Fi but it's slow and and you click on a link and it, it takes you know five seconds I'm like forget it I, I don't even want to watch it we expect uh, so much it's, it's like my uh, Keurig my coffee maker and, and when I uh, make coffee I want I want it to come out instantly It's like these things with people and, uh, you know, they get frustrated because it takes a couple of seconds. And when you think about it, it's like, give it a second. I'm just going to outer space and back. Just, just give it a second. Some of you are, are traveling for Christmas and you're going to catch a flight from Tulsa to New York. And it's going to take three hours. And you complain about a 20-minute delay. Well, that trip used to take nine months. I mean, it was, it was a whole other group of people that would arrive uh, there. Babies would be born and people would, you know, die on the trip. You'd write a letter before you go and say, hey, we'll see you in the spring. But, but now you sit down and, and you watch a movie and you drink a Coke and you're there. But we're so wired to expect so much for so little. And, and we lack patience and we end up setting ourselves up 
psychologically and socially and culturally, we've set up these unrealistic expectations during the holidays that, that whether it's the perfect gift or the perfect Christmas card or the perfect picture or picture-perfect tree or all the kids are perfect and the, and the neighbors are nice and the relatives don't bug you. And, but, but the season, it eventually it slams into reality and it creates this perfect tension in life. And, and, and that's why we either have the holiday blues during the holidays or, or the this this hangover after the season is completely over because we're so hyped up and we're expecting so much that it can't be anything uh, but a letdown. And the truth of the matter is that the seasons don't always bring families together. Sometimes they, they bring them together just to blow them further apart. And you hope that that's not the case this year. And you hope that so-and-so is not going to get upset this year. And you hope that you know who will, will be on their best behavior. But you know, you just know that it's not going to work out that way. And our expectations aren't met. And, and when they're not met, it can be really, really hard on us. And our expectations are often far too high. And, and at a standard that just can't be met. And I don't, I don't care who you are. Your, your Christmas will never match up to that Norman uh, Rockwell picture. But, but really, expectations aren't met because we're all human and we're all imperfect. And we expect the other imperfect people to be perfect and, and to meet our high expectations. And the things we think are so necessary for the perfect Christmas, they're just shadows. They're just reflections of the truth uh, of the Christmas message. And instead of embracing the shadows, let's embrace the truth. Let's embrace Christ instead of Christmas uh, this year. And we need to refocus on the incarnation of the Son of God in, in our world. Now, I want to read you uh, this morning the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, uh, the birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that census should be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire. This was the first census taken. All the returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. That night, the shepherds were in their fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast of host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest, highest heaven and peace on earth to whom all God favors. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their fields and the flocks glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them and because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. It's Christmas Day. 
and it's finally here for some of you. You say, finally, you know, uh, if you say that, you're probably young, right? Because for, for kids, Christmas is slow and it, it takes a long time to come around. For those of us who are older, it feels like it was last Christmas a couple of weeks ago. But when you're a kid, it felt like it took two years to get to Christmas. And uh, that's where the phrase, as slow as Christmas, comes from. We just heard the story of Jesus coming to earth, and it's an old story, a familiar story. But, but there's another story, another story about Jesus coming back to earth. And that story is just as old. And the people have been waiting for just as long. And in fact, in Peter's day, many turned away from their faith because of it, because they were waiting, said, he's not going to come. But Peter told the Christ followers at that time, hold on, hold on, he's coming back. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise to come back. As some people think uh, of slowness, he's not slow, he's waiting. Uh, he's being patient for your sake, uh, for those who don't know him yet, for their sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to come into relationship with him before he comes back. And so that's the point. He's not being slow, he's being patient. And we in our impatience are turning away from the creator to the created and to the creation. And our expectation is not one of hope, but, but we're, we're wanting it our way. But Christ has a better way for you today. You see, God is patiently waiting to return to the earth because he wants to extend mercy and grace and, and love. He doesn't want you to perish. Instead, he wants to give you a chance. And he wants to have a relationship with you, to live with you and to abide with you. Jesus came once to this earth as a little baby, but he grew and he became a man full of wisdom and full of authority and he never sinned. And though he was tempted, he, he was full of the Spirit of God and he never sinned. And then he died, a sacrificial death, the greatest gift ever given because he did something we couldn't do. He bridged the gap between us and God and he didn't stay dead. He rose again and he's seated at God's right hand and he's waiting to come again. But before he does, his message is spreading like fire across the earth. It's a message of grace and a message of love and a message of hope for all who would believe and all who would accept it. But one day he's coming back for his people. But he can come alive in you today. He's waiting. Maybe he's waiting for you. And you can make today the day you step over that faith line, the day that you trust him. You can have a personal relationship with this same God that we just read about. He's willing and he's waiting for you today. He wants December 25th, 2011 to be your day, the day of salvation. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, would you just pray with me right where you're seated? Would you just pray and say, dear God, I need you, I need a savior. Thank you for coming, come into my life today to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver, and my best friend. And the best way that I understand it, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to click on uh, the Connect tab there uh, next to the video and let us know about that. But today with your family, as you love on your family and you celebrate Christ, not just Christmas, but Christ, and, and you embrace Him today, uh, have a conversation about Jesus today. What, what are you trusting Jesus for? What do you want Jesus to do in your life uh, this next year? And, and build a discussion around Jesus today uh, on Christmas Day. I love you, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Two thousand twelve. If the Mayans are to be believed, this is the last year on planet Earth. We've got twelve short months before the whole world ends. Now, I don't know if you believe that or not, but let's just say for a moment that that's true. What would you do with the last 12 months of your life?
Well, here at the Church of Battle Creek, we believe in living purposeful, intentional lives. And to help you with that, we're starting a brand new series called Because. Anytime we're asked the question of why we do what we do, we have to have an answer ready. And we want you to be ready with that answer. The answer always starts with because, but then you've got to fill in the blank. So we're going to help you with intentional prayer. We're going to show you how we intentionally help orphans and foster kids, even right here in our community. We're also going to show you how we're pur purposeful with strategic ministry opportunities around the globe. So, 2012, we want you to make it the best year and the most intentional year of your life. And don't just be because.